Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by HipstersOfTheCoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at Patreon.com slash Leaving a Legacy. Magic is power. Father O'Malley said I can't cast Christmas Brand anymore. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I'm your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry Me. What's up, Jerry? Not much, Pat. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Coming off a uh, a long weekend. Took the kids up, uh, did a little little traveling in the White Mountains. Had a great time. Uh, we drove to the top of Mount Washington, which I think is like something that every New Englander has to do at least once in their life. And that was, uh, that was a, a white-knuckle experience on the way up, I'll tell you that. Going down wasn't so bad, but... Going up was uh, slightly terrifying. So, see, I've never uh, driven up Mount Washington, Pat. I've just uh, hiked up it, you know, like a real man. <laughs> yeah, well, I think next year with the kids, we'll probably hike up it. But they're a little too little. They're a little too young this year to do the uh, the eight hour round hike. Yeah, you don't want to get like three miles up the mountain and then then be like, I'm tired. I want to go right. home. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So maybe next year we'll do that, but. But yeah, man, it was it was a good weekend, dude. It was good. How how was yours? It was good. It was good. I uh I spent it down at Patriot Place actually. Me and the uh really? yeah, me and the girlfriend got a little Airbnb weekend away. So I didn't get much magic in this weekend, but you know, sometimes you need to take a little break. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. I I still haven't broken the magic news to her yet though. Like we haven't had the the talk. You shouldn't. <laughs> Honestly, if you want this to be a successful relationship, you should keep that hidden. For as long as possible. <laughs> Nothing causes a woman to lose respect for a man by learning that he uh, uh, obsesses over a car. That game. is not fair, Pat. That that is that is um some toxic masculinity right there, Pat. I no, but I no, that's just that's honestly that's just my uh the uh, the Irish guilt. The Irish really, guilt. guilt is bred. It's, it's, it's like because of our our Catholic upbringing is just like is just doused. We're just that's just part of part of us. Even if I'm not a practicing Catholic, Father O'Malley uh, said I can't guilt. cast Grizzle Brand anymore. The guilt is in my is in my is in my Jameson filled blood. Oh man, and we're we're gonna have to, we're gonna sit down on the uh, the Sigmund Freud couch one of these days, Pat, and uh, just kind of work 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 some stuff out. <laughs> That's an oddly penis shaped couch you have. <laughs> Why? Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah. So see, so this this is a good weekend, man. Um, but uh, let's get into the episode here. We have a great guest coming on. Why don't you introduce him? Hell yeah! Welcome back to the cast. Everyone's favorite, besides Pat, blue red Delver player, <laughs> Tony Scapone. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good, guys. It's good to be back on the cast. Uh, actually, Jess guy now. I've switched gears a bit. Yes, I've seen that. Yeah, we're gonna get into that for sure. Uh, definitely, because I was uh, taking a look. It, it looks a bit different from all the other blue red Delver lists we've seen out there. Um, is this just something you've kind of uh, been tooling around with on your own, or? Have you been kind of working on it with some other people as well? Um, no, I mean, pretty much just myself, just, you know, grinding. Not as much these days, the past year or so, but, I mean, played Blue Red Delver and I've been playing it for, I don't know, three years now, and I'm just very familiar with its weak points, and Jeskai is kind of an attempt to tie up some loose ends. Nice. And uh, it's definitely been working out for you because you've, what, top-aided the last four challenges? 
yeah, four in a row, actually, the last four that I've played. The first two being uh, Blue Red and the, the last two being Jess Guy. So the only two Jess Guy that I've played and I top aided. Awesome. So definitely seeing some success. You did say you wanted to come in on and uh, vent a little bit because oh. you, you, you seem to be having some uh, bridesmaid syndrome you know always the bridesmaid never the bride <laughs> <laughs> yeah man um so i've it, let's see i've only played in because i don't get a, a chance to play in a lot of challenges i've only played in a total of nine and i've top aided six of them and every last one of those i have lost in the first round of the top eight so it uh it is certainly frustrating yeah <laughs> i i can bet i you know just being there time and time again uh and just not being able to get over that hump it almost forms like a mental block in your head right right well awesome let's let's take a look at the deck and uh kind of talk about what what changes you might want to make in order to you know go that little extra mile there at the end sure um so talk to us about the white splash looks like you splashed white for two to fairy and then three swords to plowshares Always controversial in the uh, the Delver aggro deck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, my experience with blue-red, um, probably the, the weak point was just threats that you can't actually kill with Bolt. Um, you know, like your big idiots like Tarmogoyf and... Um, uh, what's his name? The 4-4 Trampler there. Just bigger stuff that you can't can't Bolt. You know, I mean, Dread, Dreadhorde helps a little bit, but... Um, uh, you know, and even uh, Merit Lage, you know, like to interact with Merit Lage, you got to either get lucky that your permission is what's going to stop them, but sometimes they just make land drops and win. Obviously, you have Wasteland, but there's a lot of uh, loopholes. Now that I have Swords, um, that matchup is just extreme. You know, it went from an okay, probably worse than 50%, um, to now it's just like it's it's brutal for you know anytime i play against match up against tom he's not too happy <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um also i'm sure like uh have Uru's been giving you a big problem as well um they uh no i mean because I, I i'm sure you see in the sideboard the aria flame which has been a tech that i've been working with and was with blue red for a while which just kind of goes over the top of Uro. Um, even before I went to Jeskai, the Snowcode decks were kind of my bread and butter because they were so... Um, it was just all over the place. So I really knew how to navigate that matchup. And um, like I said, Arya is... Like in Game 1, it, you know, it's it's a toss-up. And if you win Game 1, there's just really no way I'm losing two more games in a row. Um, mm. But, you know, Swords, it, it does help there. Usually they still get a card out of it, um, you know, so it's not it's not the best, but at least it removes it. Yeah. So for our listeners at home, Aria Flame, uh, two and a red for an enchantment. When Aria Flame comes into onto the battlefield, each opponent gains ten life. Mm-hmm. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, put a verse counter on Aria Flame. Then it deals damage equal to the number of verse counters on it to target player or planeswalker. Mm-hmm. So definitely ramps up, especially when you have a uh, Dreadhorde Arcanist online, which you're only running a single one in the deck. Uh, yeah, for that, actually, my latest list that I've been playing with the past couple of weeks has two. But, um, I mean, to get 
into that to to support more, really more than two. You got to change the deck drastically to a more like mm-hmm. street, you know, mm-hmm. it because it, I run accumulated knowledge, which kind of takes up some room. Basically, you got to be running. I, I would have to remove, you know, the stifles, maybe the counter spell, kind of the cute stuff, uh, the magmatic sinkhole. Um, and in my experience, as soon as you do that, it becomes obviously you gain a lot of consistency. But with consistency, you do have the downside of being more linear, um, and post-board people can kind of pick you apart. Hmm. Whereas oftentimes, uh, my opponent just assumes that that's what my deck is doing, and then they get stifled, or uh, you know, they'll they'll have a hard hmm. cast, you know, just a just a vanilla counterspell in their face, getting brought back by uh, a Mystic Sanctuary, and all of a sudden they're locked three turns, and I'm gaining card advantage on AK, you know, sometimes they just don't, there'll be times where I don't even have to fetch my Tundra and I'll win game one and they just completely think I'm on blue red Delver, you know, mm-hmm. it, it does seem you are a much more uh, controlling build, um, you know, cause you're, you're pretty light on the creatures. Mm-hmm. You're only running nine creatures, you know, four Delvers, two young pyromancers, and then one Dreadhorde, one Snapcaster, one Bra- uh, brazen borrower. Right. Um, I think that's like one of the lightest, uh, blue red delver creature counts i've ever seen yeah no it is it is more of a, a control deck i mean in comparison to say like a, a you know an old school miracles build it's it's got considerably more for threats but it plays in a similar fashion mm-hmm. where um you know if i have delver on one if i have like a delver days draw i'm gonna play it um but from there on it's i'm kind of switching gears where i'm answering threats uh, I'm slowing the game down, and then really AK is kind of, uh, I call I like to call it a pseudo-threat, because um, once you start drawing so many cards, it almost doesn't even matter, you know? Yeah, yeah. Have you come into a lot of matches where, I mean, we, we don't really see miracles around as much as we used to, um, but are you seeing a lot of, uh, like, like, are you getting the AK mirror matches uh, so to speak, no. or are you the only one casting I, AK lately? I have not seen an opposing AK or what is it, Frantic Research or whatever that other one. Um, oh yeah, I have not seen that in uh, I don't know. I can't remember the last time <laughs> the card was cast <laughs> against <laughs> me. Um, yeah, I. It, I mean, personally, I go with AK just because it creates a, a sub game if I ever am to mm-hmm. run into it i'd rather just mm-hmm. i mean it, you could say it, i think i think bryant had said it on his podcast that um you know if you're more skilled then it's actually an advantage to you which uh, you know i it, i agree with mm-hmm. that but not only that it's just more interesting you know yeah yep uh it's interesting that uh you're so this is obviously the jess guy version of the deck like you mm-hmm. mentioned um and i did jerry did you finish going on the uh the the creature suite yet? yeah yeah uh so all the creature okay. suites and then the only other threat is uh the two tie to fairies right yep that's what i was going to bring up that's interesting that you're running the two to fairy time ravelers uh i mean when you talk about slowing the game down this is an excellent card uh that will that will do exactly that yeah. right yeah and it helps against veil i mean obviously like when combo decks run veil they kind of play it a little different and Teferi doesn't help you as much like when TES mm-hmm. just you know plays a veil to start Teferi is not going to help mm-hmm. uh, you know too much there but when it just pops up randomly in like control decks and stuff um, you know sometimes you 
get a Teferi on board and it's just game over because it blanks three or four cards in their hand. Mm-hmm. I notice um, you're like pseudo running the classic Stifle Days Wasteland package. So you're running two Stifle, three Days, three Wasteland. I'm actually, as of right now, I'm running only two Wasteland. I've gone up to a second Force of Negation. Um, but yeah, still the two Stifle in the three days. So just kind of like looking for that opportune moment to just you know get a snipe in uh rather than making it a dedicated strategy of the deck um well i guess to to pick them apart individually so days is just uh, you know overall it's just a really good card um it's -hmm. good in the deck specifically um and i can't i ran four for a while but it's um obviously it can lose its gas later on and this deck is going later on so sometimes it could be ineffective so three is three has been a, a pretty good number obviously you can get uh, some very good utility out of mystic sanctuary um stifle i mean i've been playing stifle for a very long time i can tell you i have cut the card probably on like a dozen separate occasions uh none of which have mm-hmm. lasted for more than a league or two before i'm just instantly mm. missing the card especially and it may seem odd and contradictory, but actually, especially since I've gone to AK. Because um, when you're drawing that many cards, it really sucks when you're in a spot where it's like you're losing to a triggered, uh, uh, you know, an activated ability. You know, it doesn't matter how many swords you draw, how many bolts you draw. If you're losing to, you know, an activation that's already on the table, it doesn't matter, you know. And Stifle, mm-hmm. uh, Stifle is just, it, you know, it, it's less so that I'm, I'm trying to get them with your typical, um, you know, Days Wasteland Stifle, uh, you know, attack their mana base sort of thing. Although mm-hmm. it does do that, um, it's more so I'm drawing extra cards, and uh, it, it lets, hmm. uh, it stops a lot of things from slipping through the cracks. You know, I can't tell you how many games I've won just because I stifle a, a Grizzlebrand activation or I stifle an Emrakul trigger and win on the crackback or um, stifling a Wasteland. You know, oftentimes I'll leave mm-hmm. leave them in pretty much just for that, just to protect mm-hmm. against Wasteland. It's as good as stifling a Fetch a lot of the times. Nice. Now... The new toy everyone's been playing with with blue red. <laughs> um, yeah, I actually Who's want to get the showcase yet? ones. Uh, uh, I do dragon. like that card quite a bit, but go on. Uh, that seems to be the new uh, kind of toy for blue red Delver players. We've been seeing it pop up in a uh, couple different lists. Um, not not for you. No, I mean that's more for an aggressive version. Uh, of blue red you'd really have to gear the whole deck uh around sprite dragon um Mm -hmm. you know i i I feel like blue red uh you know at its heart is kind of a glorified burn deck so when i first first started running this deck it was when gadaxian probe was legal and i think this deck is at its best when it's being uh aggressive um but uh, I think the problem there is it, the deck is just not not good enough. 
because you wind up uh, I found when I was trying to do that sort of thing I'd wind up in the same situation that I was when I was playing burn which was mm-hmm. you know you you get your punches in and then you just you run out of gas and you're trying to get just get over the finish line with one more hit of a delver or you know one last bolt or you know whatever it is uh it did change a bit since dreadhorde arcanist came out um and subsequently uh, oko that's why i think rug is so strong right now mm-hmm. um because the that play style just isn't good enough anymore the answers are too efficient uh control decks or any sort of mid-range decks just can can deal with that sort of thing so uh, over time uh, and this is kind of how i wound up here over time i just found myself stretching a little bit more and a little bit more to to go kind of mid-range um i hadn't splashed for Mm -hmm. third color just because of uh money basically you know i try not to change too much online from what i have in paper um yeah but generally speaking um i think even if you're going it, the the true aggro decks uh just aren't aren't good enough you know it's why you don't see zoo mm-hmm. it's why it, the, i think the reason why delver decks are so strong again right now is because they have access to uh threats that are their own engine and actually get them into the mid game you know being dreadhorde arcanist and oko you know, stuff that, right. that you put it on the table, it's immediately threatening. They both answer things as well. They're just, if, they le- if they're left unanswered, the game is over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's funny saying that, though, like, because Blue Red Delver is supposed to be the deck that, like, excels at having that little extra reach. But even, you know, in this time of food and Uru and, you know, all this life gain, it's it's hard even for the, the reach deck to find that little bit extra. <laughs> I just think your resources are being stretched so so thin that like you can only run so much burn in that deck, and that's kind of where that deck wants to close out the game. Um, and I just think that with with Uro and with with Oko, you know, to a much greater extent, Oko, you're just it, it's stretching all those removal spells, and you just with Dreadhorde Arcanist, you want to have a lot of filtering spells at the same time, and so it feels like the critical mass just keeps falling and falling, like because you have. It feels like the deck's kind of being pulled in two different re- directions, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like you have that that like that mid game engine of of Dreadhorde Arcanist, uh, but like you know your early game is your is your your Delver and and any other hasty creatures you want to throw in the mix there, and it just feels like I think I think Tony hit on the hit on the head. Like you know you're you're getting that the cards that are enabling you to get into the mid game are taking away from your ability to close games quickly, kind of thing. Right. Yeah. I- I think if you don't have a plan uh, to transition into the mid to late game, I think you're you're, you're going to struggle. Just generally, mm-hmm. as as a deck, unless you're a you know, obviously it's different for uh, the less fair decks, combo decks, or even I guess Chalice to a certain extent. But I mean, Chalice is struggling right now because uh, you know, basically Oko. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so. You've made it to the finals of uh, the last four challenges. What what have been what it's been kind of your nemesis keeping you from that winner's circle? Um, for a long time, ever since uh, Rug Delver has kind of been on top these past, I don't know, what is it, four or five, six months, something like that. Um, 
I've been trying to figure out the matchup, and it's taken a lot of grinding and, uh, you know, because especially with a deck like this that's so widespread and there's so many different uh, angles that you can take, it's taken a, a long time to flush it out to what I really want to be doing. I mean, I'll give you an example. There, you know, there was a point where I was like, maybe I just need to be cutting AK and trying to get low to the ground, and that's the only way... I'm going to beat Rug, and it's going to be, you know, below 50%, but maybe that's the best it's going to get. You know, like, sometimes you have to make concessions with matchups and try to get your best percentage, whatever it is. Um, but that wasn't the case. I mean, I have since uh, resigned to um, just being the control deck. You know, I go completely the, the other way with it. Uh, you know, to the point where I'm actually bringing in my Aria of Flames and... I've since added a planes to the sideboard. So I have, you know, one of each basic. Pretty much just because of Rugged Elbert. <laughs> I mean, it's nice to have, but I don't <laughs> I don't think I would be going that far in terms of basics cuz this deck really doesn't want to run basics and you have to like uh, <clears throat> you have to change a lot about the deck post board against Rug and uh, you know, a, a, a lot of this deck is simply because of Rug. If Rug didn't exist, um, there'd be a, a number of changes for sure. So, can you tell us about like the cards that are like, that you find to be critical in beating, or at least, uh, you know, combating the Rug decks? Um, I mean, obviously the removal. It comes down to yep. does the removal line up, um, and how long does it take you to answer their threats? You know, sometimes all mm -hmm. all it takes is. I have to cantrip an extra turn, and their Dreadhorde Arcanist gets the turn sideways, and it's like, then, sure, I find my answer, but now they're up a card, and they play another threat. The, uh, the issue right. is just how efficient and problematic every single one of their threats are. Like, you, you get forced mm -hmm. in these positions where you have to ignore a Delver for four or five turns because of the threat of Arcanist and then also Oko. Um, mm -hmm. So it... it you know, if I can, if I can get through the first six or seven turns without winding up at six life, and a, you know, a clear board, um, I can usually come back and win. So, speaking of removal and having a removal line up appropriately, uh, I noticed this one of Caracas in your sideboard, and you don't have any legends of your own, so it it seems like it's a purely defensive play rather than a value play. Um, what, what's kind of that for? Uh, it's actually the, the one card I just recently took out of my sideboard to put in my blazing. Actually, this, this list I'm looking at has a blazing volley. I don't know what I took out for it, but, um, no, it's just a, a nice card to have. It has a lot of, I guess I, uh, I, there have been points with my blue red that I've run Caracas when it was really needed, um, Initially moving to Jeskai, I was like, oh, now I get to run a Caracas and I can actually use it as a land. Uh, when realistically, it, it's still kind of in the same spot where I should probably have it in my board if it's particularly good. Otherwise, I don't necessarily need it. And I think I've recently taken it out. Okay. So, you, so it was more just something you were trying out and it didn't really work out? Um, well, I mean, it, it, it just depends what the, what the meta looks like. It's, you know, obviously really good against Grizzlebrand, Emrakul. Um, it certainly has applications, Merit Lage. Um, 
but yeah, I, I guess now just kind of flushing it out, I tend to have good matchups in all of those areas that I just mentioned. So I think mm-hmm. it, it, it might not really be coming in unless, you know, I don't know, unless all three or four of those decks are just like everywhere. <laughs> okay. Nice. Um, so you've mentioned already a couple changes that you're making to the list. You know, what, um, what's your kind of next step to take with the list and what are you trying to kind of hope to get out of it? Well, well, I've really been playing with a, a lot of different things. Um, like it, my most recent changes is adding a second Dreadhorde, uh, cutting the two Pyromancers, and running a um, Monastery Mentor. Um, you know, it, it's it's obviously a, a very good card, but at three mana, it can be. Uh, difficult to to support it um the, the nice thing about young pyromancer is it only costs two so i mean oftentimes i'm just running it out there as bait basically it's all it's all about the aria flame i i i have one like I, most of my games are thanks to aria flame <laughs> uh, you know like I, i'm basically running it over mentor um it's just it, it's an absolute i think people completely completely underestimate this card uh, anytime i've talked to anyone about it usually their opinion like is at best that it's medium and i think um just from someone who has been ramming this card uh non-stop for months now it, it's it's incredible it's absolutely incredible in fact, part of me just wants to, uh, like, why am I coming on a cast and talking about this card? I should have, like, taken it out of my <laughs> recent list. It's um, it's bonkers, you know? It kills really? it kills Planeswalkers. Actually, most of the time I just, I can't tell you. And the only time that I ever see a resolved Oko and think to myself, eh, whatever, is since I'm running Aria Flame. I mean, oftentimes mm. I just ignore it because I'm going to kill you before that card matters. You're going to make a 3-3 every other turn? Fine. <laughs> I'll, I'll kill your 3-3s three and hit your face while I'm doing it and just ignore your Oko. Yep. Interesting. Or I'm going to Pyroblast your Oko and still get damage in the meantime. Hmm. It's just, it's a bonkers card. I mean, it, it comes down to, you know, are they playing Abrupt Decay? And can I get them to waste their abrupt decays and land an Aria flame? Mm-hmm. You know, enchantments do seem really resilient right now. Uh, you know, we haven't seen that many abrupt decays around. Uh, and usually the deck that's responsible for killing all the enchantments was uh, Miracles because they were running things like Wear and Tear, Disenchant, mm-hmm. and Council's Judgment. But we haven't really seen much of a Miracles list around in, in quite a while. Right. So, right. yeah. And, and, Enchantments are very difficult to deal with right now, I feel, with most decks uh, kind of common setup. Yep. Time to bust out ley lines. <laughs> nice. Um, so let's take a look here. What uh, what have, what, what have been your uh, kind of Swiss journeys with the deck? You know, any anything interesting you've run into or uh, kind of faced on your way? Uh, what do you mean? As far as just like matchups that uh, you wouldn't really expect for the deck, or anything that caught you by surprise as you made your way through the Swiss. Um, 
No, I mean, it's uh, lately I think things have kind of settled down. I mean, obviously, if you look at the meta now as someone you know, a couple of years ago, they'd be like, what the hell's going on? Um, you know, there just seems to be a lot of like hybrid decks or decks have just shifted to having Oko in them or, uh, you know, that sort of thing. So sometimes it, I guess it, you wind up in positions where you know generally what your opponent is playing, um, but there's a lot of question marks that there's no clear way to answer those until you start navigating the matchup against that particular opponent. You know what I mean? Like, are they, you know, when it comes to Snowco decks, it's like you almost have no idea. Are they even running swords? How many are they running? Are they running Abrupt Decay? How many are they running Pyroblast? How many? Um, you know, so it can be it can be difficult to navigate, but one of and this is another benefit of having a deck that isn't so linear is you can make mm -hmm. um, more you can make smaller uh, changes, right? You can it, it, it's almost like having a, a screen with a higher resolution. You know what I mean? You can you can make the the picture clearer uh, where needed, whereas when all your cards do essentially the same thing, any change you make from the sideboard can shake things up a lot. And if you're off target with whatever change you make, it can really cost you games. Hmm. Whereas I can I can kind of hedge my bets a lot a lot better with when I have so much selection, you know. Hmm. Gotcha. Uh, have you taken a look at any of the new uh, spoilers from Zendikar? Because there's a couple things that I know, saw some blue red delvers talking about um, that you know might be interesting for the deck. Have you have you taken had a chance to look at it? I haven't looked at many to be honest, um, but if when you guys are talking to them, I can pull them up and uh, if you want to. Yeah. Well, I think the one that input. I think the one that most people are excited about is the Seagate Stormcaller. Oh, yeah, that's the one that's one in a blue human wizard. Yeah, one in a blue human wizard, 2-1, has a kicker of four in a blue. When Seagate Stormcaller enters the battlefield, copy the next instant or sorcery spell with converted mana cost two or less. Uh, you cast this turn uh, oh, when you cast it. If Seagate Stormcaller was kicked, copy that spell twice instead. You may choose new targets for the copies. So basically, it's kind of like a uh, Snapcaster Mage, except instead of playing it from the graveyard, you're playing it from the stack. Uh, huh. That kick. So let. Uh, oh, so let's say do you have to have the spell in the stack when you cast Seagate Stormcrawler. No, because it's the next instant or sorcery spell with converted mana cost two or less. You cast this turn when you cast it. It's really awkwardly worded, but you can play. It is. It's the next. It's the next spell you play this turn. Oh, okay. Interesting. So I think that also combos with Dreadhorde Arcanist because it counts as being cast from the graveyard. So it also. So you could like bolt someone, play Seagate Stormcaller, attack with Dreadhorde Arcanist, flashback, bolt, copy it, and then, oh, and yeah, and deal ten damage. That seems to work pretty well with Ario Flame as well. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. that would be t 10 damage on turn three if you play a turn two Dreadhorde Arcanist, which most most of the blue-red decks are going to be doing anyways. It's certainly an interesting card. I feel like it's kind of in between 
Dreadhorde and Snapcaster. Because it's, like, Snapcaster, you have to spend the mana, whatever you're flashing back. This mm-hmm. card, you do have to... So you have to have the extra card, but you don't have to spend the extra mana. Right. So say if you even just got stuck on two, even if you're just flashing back something with Dreadhorde Arcanist, right. it still triggers with the Seagate Stormcaller. Mm-hmm. My my only concern with this card is that when it like at its very worst, it's a two one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't have anything else besides yeah, the two one body. You know, we all love the ambush viper snapcaster mage. <laughs> well, if it if it had flash, I would say that that'd be great. That, but it doesn't no, have I'm flash. I'm I'm agreeing with you. Like I think that yeah. that is something that definitely gets overlooked because. I guess the trade-off is that it has Kicker, but I just don't ever see Kicker being paid on this card. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 uh, that's a tough ask. Mm-hmm. I think if I if I have five lands in the battlefield and this is my top deck, I'm probably a little sad about that. Yeah. Uh, another card that I was kind of interested in, but it's I don't think it's good enough because clone effects usually don't like unless the clone effect is very good, it's usually not good enough for legacy. But Glasspool Mimic looks really interesting. Which one's this, Jerry? So I think it was just spoiled either today or yesterday. Oh, okay. But yeah, the two and a blue. It's either so it's either an island, so you can just play it as an island. So it's always you know a land that comes to play tapped. That that's mm-hmm. good. Or it's two and a blue. You can have gas glass pool mimic enter the battlefield as a copy of target creature you control, except it's a shapeshifter rogue in addition to its other types. Hmm. So. It definitely has the utility because at its worst, it's always a land. And three and a blue is actually cheap for clone effects. Usually clone effects are three and a blue. So this gets a, a discount off of it. The yeah. downside is, is you can't copy your opponent's creatures. Yeah. And the, and the I guess like the opposite, like the, the land side of it is it's a tap land. So that's not great either. Yeah. So definitely not for like blue red because I also think it's just too slow for blue red. But I I yeah. just, I was intrigued by that one. It's, it's definitely something. I mean, like you said, a three mana uh, copy effect is pretty interesting. Um, would it fit into like the uh, what is it the uh, the Kiki Jiki kind of deck? Oh, because you clone. Can't you just keep cloning? Well, it comes into play, copies Kiki Jiki. Well, it just works, right? No, yeah, because Kiki Jiki would copy the clone. Like, or I don't know. Actually, I'd have to ask a judge about that. I'm not sure how the (laughs) the rules, how the rules work with that. Um. Oh, we there was a spicy one spoiled today. Nahiri's lithoforming is kind of interesting for burn. I think. Where is it? It's uh, it's it's a it's. Uh, X red red it's a sorcery and you get to sacrifice X lands for each land sacrifice this way you may draw a card you may play X additional lands this turn uh, but lands you control onto the battlefield tap so maybe nah I think, I, I I think that's mind. way too expensive for burn yeah 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 I just thought like it's like you know when burn has like ends up flooding out in like game two or three when your opponents brought in all these you know fucking all this hate hate cards for burn or whatever if that if those even exist anymore, uh, just a way to refill the hand. But I guess like something like uh, Bedlam Reveler is just better for burn. Yeah, I, I wouldn't run that. Uh, Maddening Cacophony though, that's probably the best uh, mill card we've gotten since like Traumatize. So 
or uh, glimpse the unthinkable, I should say. So one in a blue, each opponent mills eight cards. If the spell was kicked, it also has three in a blue kicker. If the spell was kicked, instead, each opponent mills half their library rounded up. <laughs> so it's glimpse the unthinkable and traumatized stapled onto the same card with the kicker. I like. Wizards is pushing mill. Like, we are very close, I feel, to mill eight being... Eight cards. Like, one of the blue for eight cards is a lot. <laughs> I know. And then, like, late game, it's just half the deck. Yeah. That seems like a lot. Yeah. Between the playing eight crabs, this, Glimpse the Unthinkable, uh, there's a ton of, like, very potent mill cards. Like, I think mm. we're very close from people running a Emercool in their sideboard just to add to the deck when they verse mill. <laughs> hmm. Um, and then I guess also the elephant in the closet everyone's talking about, the quote-unquote black Tarmogoyf. Yeah. What's it called? Sc- okay. Scourge of the Skyclaves. People seem to so be it, really torn on this. It's it's one in a black for a uh, demon, uh, which doesn't have flying. Uh, it's, it's kicker is four in a black, and when you cast a spell, if it was kicked... Each player loses half their life rounded up, so that's kind of not relevant for, for Legacy. Uh, Scourge of the Skyclaves, power and toughness are each equal to 20 minus the highest life total among players. Yep. So people, I think people were making fun of others, saying, like, oh, they're not reading it properly. They think it's just another Death Shadow. I think it's still relevant, though, you know, mm-hmm. especially in Legacy with fetch lands and... You know, people's life totals tick down. Now, granted, food and uh, Uro and Oko are definitely going to put a damper on that. But, like, it's still rare that your opponent is above 20 life. Yeah. Especially if you mm. can, like, kind of put the herd on them early. I think you would have to play red with this card. Yeah. Uh, so, what I was actually thinking was uh, I, I've been brewing up kind of a uh, black-red burn deck that's very uh, creature focused. So I'm running a uh, vexing devil, which is the uh, Innistrad card that everyone uh, kind of groaned at because they thought it would be good in burn. And then it just wasn't, but it's one red for a four, three. When it comes into play, your opponent either chooses to pay for life or it, go- uh, or it comes into play. And if they pay for life, it goes to the graveyard. So like I was doing like a black red deck with uh, unearths and reanimates with a uh, vexing devil. And I feel that this would kind of go into that same vein and then also cards like Flame Rift exist. Like Flame Rift mm-hmm. used to be a staple of burn, and we haven't really seen it in a while. Yeah. But Flame Rift combos perfectly with this. It's, you know, Flame Rift's one in a red. Each player loses four life. So automatically that just turns this into a two mana four four. And if you get a couple of those going, um, you know, this thing just gets out of hand real fast in the mid to late game. Did hmm. I mention how powerful Aria Flame is? yeah a lot of these cards seem to go well with aria flame um it does kill me though pat that this guy doesn't have flying like he looks like he has like bat wings and he's it's just a bad it's just a tail i guess yeah and he's scourge of the sky claves i i hear you it's flavorfully i'm not a not a fan of it uh, though I do think if this had flying it would be even more insane like if this had any evasion on it yeah yeah um yeah i don't know it'll be really interesting i do want to i do want to play with him um 
in this black red deck I've been playing. I I, I have like lame duck syndrome right now where, where no, <laughs> no legacy decks really excite me because I just want to play with all the new Zendikar cards. So I don't really yep. like feel like playing any of the other decks that are out there. I just want to test. And then I know it happens every single spoiler season. By the time the set actually releases, I don't care anymore. And then I <laughs> like I don't want to play with the cards. Like it, it kills me. Like my psychology yeah. around set releases, I honestly wish either spoilers didn't exist or they can't they started like much much later in the season <laughs> there was a have you seen the magmatic channeler card uh it, it's one in a red for a human wizard this one interests me it's a one three but uh as long as there are four or more instant or and or sorcery cards in your graveyard magmatic channeler gets plus three plus one and it has the ability of tap it Discard a card, exile the top two cards of your library, then choose one of them. You may play that card this turn. It's kind of interesting. Huh. Yeah. Like, seems like not a terrible card to have for burn, because... You can get four instants or sorceries in your graveyard pretty fast. Yeah, I mean, a 4-4 a four, four for two for burn would be pretty awesome. But I don't know. And I, it, it's Well, it's a 4-4 four, four for two, but it also gives you... Uh, reach late game, which is right. usually something that they need. Do, do you get to cast one if you disc if the card you discard is that included in the cards you get to cast that you may play this turn? So it says discard a card, exile the top two cards of your library. Then I guess it, no, I guess it's, it's just one of the two cards. So then choose one of them. You may play that. Okay. Hmm. I think the it's kind of interesting. I think this card has uh, the same problem that a lot of these like fairly powerful red cards that come out that you you know you think of these scenarios that'd be great and burn and it just mm-hmm. it takes an extra turn to kind of do its thing um and that that extra turn that you spend doing this thing although it is powerful uh, is probably the turn uh that you should have spent killing them instead yeah that's true and uh, i don't know it's it's pretty cool. It's powerful. I want to play it, but I, yeah, I just have a feeling it's not quite good enough. Like it, it looks like it does a lot of stuff, and all of that stuff is just not quite enough. It's just so interesting to me. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is really interesting. On a much simpler speed for red, uh, I think this is the best. I just I'm noticing it now. Wayward Guide Beast. I think this is the best red creature since Goblin Guide. So really, Wayward okay. Guide Beast. Uh, one red for a two-two, trample haste. So cool! It's a gob. It's like a you know, like the goblin guide, right? Yeah, plus trample though. Yeah. So it yep. has it yep. has trample, and then instead of giving your opponent's lands, wayward guide beast. Whenever wayward guide beast deals combat damage to a player, return a land you control to its owner's hand. Hmm. It's interesting in like a deck like burn where like you're able to replay. Like you don't have a ton of land drops. So you can replay your lands post combat, you know, like if you don't, if you don't, if you miss a land drop on turn three or four and this attacks and hits, you're able to, you know, replay your land and then reuse them and then use the mana. Yeah. Like basically, I mean, a deck like burn just wants to stay on one or two lands basically the entire game. Like, right. You almost never want to play your third land drop because that means you have more lands than spells to cast. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that's pretty that's interesting. Cool. I also feel like it has some combo potential there, like bouncing because it's any land you control. 
Bouncing, True. bouncing your own lands can be busted in some ways. Turns on Searing Blaze. Oh yeah, does turn on Searing Blaze, so you get the landfall ability. It yeah allows you to trigger landfall over and over again. Hmm. Yeah, I think that Wayward Guide Beast is definitely going to see play somewhere. I don't hate it. Hmm. Yeah, I should just put together a Legacy Burn and just start fucking ruining people's leagues. <laughs> That's what I should do with my lame, my lame duck syndrome because like I. Burn's good for, like, a solid 4-1, so you can yep. stay profitable with it, and you can just, like, I've literally done a league in less than half an hour playing Burn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Looking at other, other blue-red cards here. Anything you're seeing, Tony, catch your eye? Uh, I've just been following you guys' lead. I'm just searching the card when you name it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying not to, to type and click and make noises on the, the thing here. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's that's, I think all the ones that I've seen that kind of interest me, at least in blue in blue red. I'm sure there's other colors that exist in Magic, but I'm not aware of them. Was there anything else, Jerry, that you saw? I think that's kind of the what I've seen that interested me. Yeah, nothing else has really caught my eye yet. What do you think of these cards that are like the you know the mo- the modular like you know it's a sorcery or it's a land? Even though it's a tap land, is that kind of a is that, that's kind of a cool design space, I guess. Yeah, it is. It is definitely cool design space. It, it allows you to get value out of the the land spots, which has definitely mm-hmm. been an issue previously. Like Wizards has famously always been looking for like the next kicker mechanic, like cards mm-hmm. that are good both in the early game and the late game, and are interesting. So I can definitely see that vein of design in those cards. Um, it just none of the ones that have really come out have been super interesting. Like I feel like they're playing it very safe with those cards. Yeah, yeah. Like I think the most interesting one was that clone one I mentioned, and you know if that's going to be the best one they print, you know, I don't, I don't really think we'll see that much of it. Yeah, I'm just going down these. I think that's all the ones that I like here. Um, hmm. Have you looked at any of these uh these multicolored cards, Jerry? I haven't made it down to the multicolors yet. So Kaza Royal Chaser. I'm just looking at this now. I haven't even read the full card yet, but it's it's blue red for a legendary human wizard. It has flying and haste. It's a one two. So and you can tap it. The next instant or sorcery spell you cast this turn costs X less to cast, where X is the number of wizards. This is pure EDH bait bat. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that right. is not. Oh, never mind. Never mind. I I saw the I saw the the casting cost. I saw the abilities. But a one-two flying haste is not. It's not just good. how many spells do you play in Blue Red Delver that actually have colorless in their mana cost? That's yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, if you play accumulate accumulated knowledge, you'll have one. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, I'm good with the rest of the set for now. I get. Uh, I guess my Nahiri's in the set, so I guess it makes sense that uh, it seems like equipment is a sub theme. Yeah, it's Zendikar, right? Isn't that like a? Isn't that where Nahiri's from? Yep. Yeah, we're equipment introduced in Zendikar now. Uh, I have no idea. Where were Zen? Where were equipment introduced? Oh, Mirrodin. I should know that. I played during that time. <laughs> was that Batter? Was that Batterskull? Was that the Mirrodin card? That Batterskull came later. Okay. Um, like cranial plating was like the best equipment for a long time. Oh, okay. Cranial. Well, I mean. Uh, cranial plating was very good. Like, don't let me don't the way I say that <laughs> doesn't give cranial plating justice because cranial plating was very good for a long time. And then skull clamp got printed uh, and skull clamp became like the best de facto artifact or uh, equipment ever printed. 
Mm-hmm. Um, wow, there's so many multicolored spells. There's a lot, yeah. I feel we're definitely missing something interesting in here. I mean, I, I looked at all the blue-red ones. That's all that really matters, right? <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, Tony, what's what's going on with this with the stream lately? Have you, have you been having a lot of time to stream Magic? Uh, not a lot. I started uh, a new job, what, about nine or ten months ago. I've been selling cars, which has taken up a lot, a lot more time. Um, mm -hmm. I don't play quite as much as I did before, uh, especially with COVID, the kids being home. It's like, it, you know, it's tough. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I, I try to. I've kind of got it set up where about once a month I'm playing in a challenge and probably every other one I'm going to get a chance to stream it. Mm -hmm. And at least I finally pulled the trigger and, and, you know, edited one of them and made a YouTube. So it's easier to, you know, digest watching it and it doesn't disappear after two weeks or whatever on Twitch. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, I got the, the latest challenge that I top aided there on my YouTube. So you can check that out. Yeah, that's awesome. How did you uh, end up doing in the top eight? <laughs> I lost. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I know that. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got it. It's one of my worst matchups. Was uh, you know Eldrazi aggro, which is just uh, okay. absolutely brutal. Like everything in their uh. deck. You know, I have to kind of hope they don't have Chalice. They don't have um, Cavernous Soul, Cavernous Souls, and Wasteland, and mm -hmm. Thought Not Seer, and. Uh, pretty much their whole deck. Like, <laughs> hopefully they just drop their little two ones and you know some fast, uh, endless ones, and I have you know my removal lines up. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that that matchup is is pretty abysmal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. And then what? The one before that, I lost. Uh, the two matches that I lost, uh, one in the in the Swiss was against JPA Rug Delver, and then. Yep. Who did I play against in the first round of the top eight? JPA Rugdelver. Oh yeah. <laughs> and this is this is before I had really figured the match uh, uh, figured out the match. So uh, I've been having a lot more success the past few weeks now against Rug, but that was mm. that was pretty rough. <laughs> I mean, he's a solid player, like you know, regardless. But yeah, oh, that's yeah. a yeah. I timed out in one of the one of the challenges. Three ago with with blue red Delver, I couldn't believe really? it. Yeah, I timed out with lethal. If I had maybe fifteen more seconds, I would have won. Oh, it was. Oh. <laughs> that's that's brutal. That's brutal. That's a killer. Yeah, that is a killer. It was that, and he went on to win it too. I bit. It was um what he was playing uh painter. He was playing uh red white painter, and he went on to win it. I beat him in the last round. And then we cut to top eight, and I played against them back to back again, and then timed out. I had to goddamn magmatic sinkhole. I had an Aria Flame with lethal on board. <laughs> I had to cast two or three spells. I brainstormed into two of them, and one of them that I had to cast was sinkhole, which you got to do a lot of clicking for that card. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, my laptop is not quick oh, enough for this. Brutal. Brutal. Yeah. Oh. Well, that's cool. So you're still playing the the uh, the challenges, like you said. What do you say? Once a month when you have time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
it's tough for the kiddos, man. It's hard to set aside a whole like it feels like the challenges takes like at least most of your morning. Oh, it's you know into the afternoon. It's right? a whole day affair unless you scrub out. Yeah, you know? yeah. It starts yeah, starts at eleven, and it, you know if you make it to top eight, you're still playing. I think top eight usually starts around I don't know five or six, something like that. Yeah, that's 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 rough. I don't know if I could spend my whole day playing Magic Online like that. That's that's a hard one. It's a hard ask when you have like limited time. Yep. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, was there anything else you wanted to kind of touch on before we before we wrap up here? Uh, no, I don't think so. How about you, Jerry? Ah, uh, I'm still peering through these uh, spoilers. So, uh, actually, Pat, we found the one uh, party card that actually might be good enough. Remember, oh, remember how we were talking about spoils of adventure? Yes. Now, so the red black one came out. Uh huh. Zagreus, thief of heartbeats. First of all, badass name. <laughs> yeah, that's a good name. Solid name. Legendary creature, vampire, rogue. Four black red. This spell costs one less to cast for each creature in your party. So, uh, so really, if you have uh, a changeling out, like we were talking about last time. It, this just costs black red. Okay. So like turn one, change the one mana changeling, turn two, Zagras. He is a uh, flying death touch haste. <laughs> o- other creatures you control have death touch. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a planeswalker, destroy that planeswalker. And it's a four four. Okay. Hmm. Black red though? Is, yeah. Are we trying to bring back Grixis? Super awkward colors, I know. Yeah. But as what far it, as like comboing with the one mana changelings to break the party mechanic, this one seems the best we've seen so far. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, okay. I'm surprised they didn't create some sort of keyword for like what death touch kills creatures. Wouldn't they, you know, something that kills planeswalkers? Spark, yeah. Spark touch. Yeah. Spark touch sounds right. like you're making planeswalkers. <laughs> we're uh, we're pitching that to Gavin next week when we have Gavin on. Spark touch, okay. Spark touch. Yeah, you can get behind that one, I guess. I'm gonna need you to back me up, Pat. This is a uh, when you stood at the altar with me, you said you would uh, support me in all of you're, my. You're right. I, I mean, I, what have I? What do I have to lose? Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey. It worked. We got we got old border chalice of the void. I was just gonna say, man. Yeah, that's uh, that's a big deal, dude. Dude, if you if you pitch enough, eventually someone will buy. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you got your uh, most recent girlfriend? Is that yep. what you're talking about? Yep, it's all uh, law of averages. <laughs> just straight up, yes, yes. I was trying to tell my wife that I was like, oh, you know, like Bumble, like it's just a, it's a numbers game. So you just say yes to a hundred women. One of them's gonna say yes back. That's just how it, that's just math, right? It's just yep. straight up math. Exactly. Someone's desperate. Someone's luckily, desperate enough. luckily, my win rate in life is better than my win rate on Magic Online. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, uh, let's let's wrap up here, Jerry, and do our scoops scoops of the week. Scoops. Who do you want to scoop in top eight this week, Jerry? I am going to scoop in. Uh, I got no one. I'm sorry. No one. Okay, that's fine. I guess I'll scoop in uh, the security team at Watsy for allowing uh, Gavin to come on the cast. I have to every time Gavin comes on, I have to jump through all these hoops with emailing all these different departments. Security team is it like just Wharf? Because that's what I imagine it is. Wharf, <laughs> Wharf answering emails. Yep, in full makeup. <laughs> yes, of course, obviously, yeah. 
Next Generation is on Netflix. I've been binging some episodes lately. <laughs> oh, that, that's the only Star Trek I ever got into, and I have it, it holds a special place in my heart. Excellent. That show was so great. I watched it when I was a kid. It was so great. So great. And uh, I got no poops this week. I'm, yeah, I'm... We're, we're, we're getting ready for poops. I think uh, I think we're going to go scoops only. We're going like, like Raisin Bran. Two scoops. Two scoops. Two no scoops. Poops. Bringing it back. Uh, how about you, Tony? Who do you want to scoop in the top eight this week? Well, first I want to scoop in content creators just in general. I mean, you guys, uh, all the other podcasts, people are doing, uh, you know, Twitch and stream and stuff. It's... You know, it's it's nice to have so much legacy content out there. Um, it, you know, I don't always have time to play, but there's a lot of scenarios where I do have the opportunity to at least consume some content, and it's nice to have, uh, you know, a, a wealth, uh, you know, to draw from there. Um, but I guess I I would I should scoop in my local game store, uh, ELD's Time Vault down in Bellingham, Massachusetts. Hell yeah! Awesome. Uh, I'm going to scoop in, uh, the, well, I'm going to scoop in New Hampshire because the kids and I had a fucking awesome time this, this past weekend in New Hampshire. You're scooping in the of... state of New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah. I think it's the largest <laughs> scoop we've had so far. It's a big scoop. Uh, you know what? The, well, it's, and it's really the state. It's not so much the people. I mean, I'm sure the people are fine, but I really just enjoy like the, the actual state of New Hampshire, the land. It's just, it's just beautiful up there. I love being in the white mountains. So shout out to New Hampshire, man. All right. That's it. Okay. Awesome. That's it. Uh, all right. Well, Go you can home. follow the show. <laughs> you follow the show at LALMTG. Uh, find us on Patreon if you want to support the show. That's a great way to do it. Patreon.com slash Leaving a Legacy. Uh, find the show on Hipsters of the Coast. Uh, join the Facebook group. Um, uh, let's see what else. Oh, yeah. Definitely follow uh, follow Tony here. He's at twitch.tv slash Tony Scaponi. And uh, the YouTube channel, same thing, Tony Scaponi? Uh, yep. Yeah, just search Tony Scaponi. Awesome. I should be streaming uh, the challenge this Sunday. When does this usually come out? Today's Tuesday. It's come out Friday. Is that Friday? So. Okay, so on Sunday, yep. yeah, I should be streaming the challenge this Sick. Sunday. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. So tune in for that. And, uh, and yeah, that's. I think that's it, Jerry. Hell yeah. Sh- shout out to Justin, Audio Tech, Sound Engineer. I think that's his title. Is that his title? That's, that's what I've been calling title. him for a long time. That's the official title. Okay. Uh, fun fact about Justin, he started a cult over the long weekend. Really? Oh, nice. Yeah. He, yeah. He's a productive guy, man. I'm really impressed. He is. He is. They, now, they is worship. Is he a leader or a follower? Uh, he's the leader of it. The entire <laughs> okay. the entire religion's based around like granola bars or something like that. I, uh-huh. I, uh-huh. I wasn't really listening when he was explaining it to me. Are you ever really listening, Jerry? No. What? No. Exactly. Exactly. All right, everyone. Thanks for hanging out this week, and we'll catch you all next week. Bye.